It's time for ROTD Weekend. I pride myself on having a lot of attention to detail. I think that's why my recipes work so well. It's also why somebody recently commented on one of my social media videos, it's for chicken gravy, that that was the most complicated version of chicken gravy they've ever seen. It's because I give all the steps, all the details. I'm very exacting, right? Actually, if you go to the gravy recipe on Cook the Story, the basic gravy recipe, it is so insanely long, but it has everything you need to know about making gravy. That's what I do. Lots of details all the time. But even I make mistakes with the details sometimes, and I am very strongly reminded about that today. So today I am, among other things, getting ready to go to a party tonight where I've been asked to bring the same dip that I've brought to this same party several times, except that it didn't actually go that way, and it's made me wonder which dip they actually want. So here is what happened. Like five years ago, it was pre-COVID for sure, was the first time that I went to this annual party and I took my lox dip. It's like a smoked salmon brunch dip kind of thing. So there's cream cheese and fresh dill and capers and red onion. And then you mix some canned salmon into that with a little bit of smoked salmon. And then you garnish the whole thing with more smoked salmon and serve it with bagel chips. It's really, really tasty. People go crazy for it. And when I first took it to this party, it was was gone in no time. And so they requested that I bring it again the next time that they had that party. So the next time they had that party, I set out to make the exact same recipe and I'm mixing it all together and it is liquidy. And I'm like, what is going on here? I had failed with the attention to detail thing. And the recipe calls for one can of sockeye red salmon not drained. It specifies that the can is a 3.75 ounce can. What I used was a full-sized 7.5-ounce can. So that extra salmon, the full doubled amount, with the liquid in that can had made the whole dip watery. And at the time that I was making this, we needed to be leaving for the party, let's say like 30 or 40 minutes later, and I didn't have any more cream cheese, sour cream. I did not have the ingredients to double the batch because that would be the solution, right? To just add the same amount of all the other ingredients again, but not add any more of the salmon, right? I didn't have time for that. And so I panicked and I put it into a pot and I added in some shredded mozzarella cheese to try and sort of stiffen it up a little bit. Maybe I even did like a flour roux. I am not sure, but my nice, cool smoked salmon brunch dip, lox dip, turned very quickly into a hot, cheesy salmon dip. I don't know if that sounds good to you or not. It doesn't sound great to me. I thought it tasted fine. We had to go. We took it. Well, everybody went crazy for this dip. I had it in a little slow cooker to stay warm. People loved it. And I think they misremembered and thought that that was the same dip that I'd brought before. And so now here I am going to this same party again, and I am taking the original smoked salmon dip without the mistake. I have been very clear in what I've ordered. I know exactly how much salmon to add. I will not make a mistake with that detail for sure. So I'm making that one and I'm curious to see if people are going to say, no, this isn't the salmon dip we wanted. We want the hot mistake salmon dip. You know what I mean? I 
guess I'm kind of hoping that they're not as detail-oriented as I am, that they're more like the people who complained that my chicken gravy recipe is too detailed, and maybe they won't remember. They will just remember liking a salmon dip, and they won't remember if it was hot or cold or anything else about it. That is the plan. Wish me luck, because there's no way I could recreate the mistake dip. I have no idea what I did to fix that. But I don't have to tell you about that recipe, because it is not on my site, and it is not going to be a recipe of the day episode, that mistake. And instead, as we do these days on Saturdays, I have somebody else to tell us about a recipe today. I am off the hook. My guest today is a fantastic person. It is my cousin Pete's husband, Alex, who is very much involved in the food world and has had a bit of a change of career lately. And that change involves launching a website, frenchkisscook.com, and a bigger social media presence. We have Alex Loisel on today to tell us about all that's going on in his culinary world and to tell us about his surprise recipe of the day. Let's listen. Welcome back, Alex. Good morning. I'm so happy to have you back on the show. And things have changed since you were on before. A little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So you've sold the bakeries. And now tell me what you're doing. Well, I'm just kind of readjusting my whole life of post bakery owner. (laughs) And I'm just uh, staying at home and working on food content creating and home renovations pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) I know. So so I I really want to hear more about how you've turned an entire bedroom into a walk-in closet, but that is a different podcast. (laughs) I I love it. I'm so, so, so envious. Uh, So you have a new website. What is it? Yeah, frenchkisscook.com. So it's like this passion project that I've started like over 10 years ago that I really put on the back burner. And like back then it was a way for me to just track family recipes and and recipes that I just did on my own. And now it's becoming almost like my full-time job. So I'm I'm all in. That's so exciting. And and I have to say, like, I'm watching this evolve and it's been really exciting. And I know you're working on your photography and you're working on your videos and the recipes look so good. What would you say is like your philosophy behind the recipes that you're creating? So as a classically trained baker, baking is was my job for so long. And French Kiss Cook is really a way for me to dabble and create into this culinary world that wasn't my job and is something that I had to do on a daily basis to, well, sustain myself. <laughs> so it's it's always been something that I, FrenchKissCook.com was always something that I used to track family recipes and recipes that I made on a daily basis. And now it's more of a way for me to create recipes that I can make easily and conveniently uh, on a daily basis 
now that I'm like rearranging my whole life around and figuring out what I'm doing next, right? So it's it's really me making dishes that remind me of my childhood and that I can just easily make and share. I like that. So no baking. There's no pastry on French Kiss Cook. Not yet and probably almost none, but <laughs> maybe like the dumplings and the chicken and dumpling soup. I mean, that's as much of my baking as I've done on there. <laughs> that's funny. No, and it's true. We do need to change it. I know you went through with the bakery. I don't know if you want to talk about this very much, but like it was a slog those last few years, right? It was intense. Yeah. It was hard. The pandemic, everything else. Yeah, it was eight years while like the first bit was crazy expansion like we opened a second location like after two years only and we were supplying products to half the coffee shops in the city and uh, and huge event centers right and then the pandemic hit and the whole business like really changed we had to cater to uh deliveries like home deliveries and and just you know bringing the bakery down to one location and just hunkering down and getting through it. Right. And it was really good and it was really successful. And I'm really not regretting selling the bakery. Uh, I feel like after going through the pandemic, it was just so hard and so taxing that it was just time for me to move on to a new project. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes so much sense. And it happened to so many of us, right? The pandemic just makes you shift around and think differently about what you want to do. And so you've gone back to this blog of yours. So it doesn't have any of that old content on it, though, right? Like you are starting this bright and fresh right. as this the a website kind of recipe business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I still have access to like all the old posts and I've been like looking through them and seeing, you know, if I can share anything that's on there and maybe I will like one one or two of them. But I mean, like it was like one of those like old style of blogs, you know, like it was like a lot of text, no structure, maybe one <laughs> terrible picture, you know? Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> like, it's not it's not anything that, you know, I'm super proud of, but I mean there is quite a bit of content on there, you know, so it's it's very nostalgic to go back and look at it. But I really wanted to start fresh and and really just create these really great recipes. I love that. So do you have a recipe to surprise me with today that you're going to tell me about? I do. And I actually made it last night and it was absolutely delicious. And we ate the whole thing. And uh, it is our creamy spam tetrazzini pasta. Creamy spam tetrazzini <laughs> pasta. Oh, my goodness. Okay. We've talked about this. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had spam before. So do you know what click is, Alex? Yeah. So click is kind of like the, I, I think that it's like the Canadian version. Yes. Of spam. Yeah. That That's what I was wondering. Because whenever I hear people talking about spam, I'm like, is that like click? So are they similar? Yeah, they're, they're very similar. I, I think that maybe click is not as salty or processed i don't know it's really weird but they're pretty similar it's like some type of like processed pork meat product in a, <laughs> in can, a can you know it's, <laughs> and it, it's we, not it's anything a, <laughs> it's a weird shaped can too right yeah it's like this this weird like rectangle <laughs> gelatinous <laughs> mass of meat that you know we all kind of grew up with 
you know, just it sitting in our pantry um, that we would use uh, as an emergency. (laughs) So I, okay. I I know then that I've only really encountered this kind of product twice, really. Well, in two areas of my life. So the first, definitely the click when, this is so weird to me. I had forgotten this. When cucumbers were in season in our garden, like Mm. one of the first things my parents would make is a cucumber and click sandwich. Like this was like a thing. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) And then I remember the first time that I was in England, we were at some kind of like breakfasty dinery place. And they had a breakfast with spam that I don't think I ordered, but I was like, oh, this is really a thing. Yeah. I mean, in some other countries, like I think down in Hawaii and around there, I mean, like ham and eggs or like uh, spam and eggs is really a thing. And yeah. like spam is, is really used widely in dishes. Okay, so we're laughing about it, but no, this is a serious thing, and it's a good thing to have on hand in your pantry. Can you tell me, before we jump in, like, what exactly is it? Do you know? Uh, I have no idea exactly, but I mean, according to Google, it's a salty processed canned pork and chicken product. Oh. And so that's what I'm going for. I mean, you fry it up, it smells like when you're frying bacon. So I would assume that it's mainly pork product. So it smells like bacon when you're frying it and does it get like a crust on it? Yeah, it becomes really nice and crispy actually. Oh, okay. So you are going to tell me how to use Spam to make creamy Spam Tetrazzini. I'm excited. Go Mm -hmm. for it. Let's start. So tetrazzini pasta, if you've never made it before, it's like one of those classic American pasta dishes I had never heard of before. I mean, I've heard of carbonara and those types of dishes. Uh, But tetrazzini is actually something that I've made before. And I didn't know that it had a name. Mm. Um, So it's really like it's like a one pan dish, super easy to make. And super convenient to make. And especially with spam, since it's something that, you know, canned meat is so readily available in your pantry. So how do you start this? What do you do first? So first, you pick whichever type of like short pasta that you want. And it's about like two cups of raw pasta and you cook it till al dente. So is it like you mean um, like rotini or penne, like that kind of thing? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I used rotini, but you can use penne, any type of like short, like bow tie pasta. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's usually uh, traditionally made with like spaghetti, tetrazzini. Mm. Um, but I mean, that was back in the 1900s. And so, I mean, like <laughs> to make it convenient, uh, I've used like a shorter pasta. Okay. So two and, cups of pasta cooked and then yeah. what do you do? And then you drain your pasta and you keep it on the side. And then in your large skillet or Dutch oven, uh, you add a half a white onion that you diced and then four garlic cloves that you minced and a whole pound of cremini mushrooms. Mm. that you half and slice so it's very heavy on the mushroom yeah i like Um, it i love it yeah so i mean we all buy those big packs of mushrooms and it's hard to get through them but i mean like those big packs of mushrooms are usually like a pound and a half so i mean it uses a good chunk of it can i Um, tell you we our, our mushrooms aren't sold like that our mushrooms are sold in eight ounce packages and they're wrapped in plastic wrap which oh, makes wow. me crazy. How are they sold in Winnipeg? 
Um, well, I mean, it's it's kind of the same. It's just uh, you can use them. You can buy them in like a smaller pack, but uh, more commonly they're sold in. Yeah, it's like a type of recyclable plastic container oh. uh, wrapped in plastic. It's yeah. about the same. Okay, so uh, it's been so long since I've lived in Canada. My memory is that mushrooms used to be sold like loose in the mm-hmm. produce section in a big bin with paper bags beside them and yeah. you would just put them in the paper bags. They don't I thought that that was like a Canadian thing and that I came here and this like plastic wrap thing was an American thing, but you're saying the plastic wrap thing is there as well? Yeah, they have both. You can oh. you can still yeah, you can still pick them. Uh usually it's like the white button mushrooms mm-hmm. that are available. Uh, with the paper bag. Okay. But like for those creamy mushrooms, uh, I like to to buy those because they just have like a little bit more flavor, mm-hmm. like a more richer, deeper flavor. And I really like to use those when when I'm making like a dish that relies heavy, heavily on mushroom. Okay. So these are the brown little like baby Bella mm-hmm. creamy mushrooms. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So and you have done sliced them a whole pound whole pound and you cook them with the mushroom and the garlic and you add um, a teaspoon of salt and a tablespoon of oregano and then you cook it all down until the mushrooms are have released like most of their water content Mm -hmm. and it really like cooks down to like a quarter of you know the size that it was when you started cooking them and once you're at that point uh, you just remove all of that uh, into a bowl out of your skillet um, and then so that way, you know, you do, you're not dirtying like a million pans in the same skillet. Um, after you've cooked your vegetables, uh, you'll add your can of spam that you've diced into like a quarter inch cubes. And then you'll place them in the same skillet with a little bit of olive oil. And as I said before, like it really cooks like bacon. It'll become like really nice and crispy. Mm. And you just got to stir them around, make sure that like all the sides are nice and crispy. Wait, I have a question. So does Spam stick to a pan badly? Like should you be using a nonstick skillet here or can you use whatever? It'll act like bacon. What is your advice? Right. I mean, like it did stick for me a little bit and I used like a nonstick skillet. Um, and it did stick a little bit, mm. um, but that's okay because in the next step, we're going to deglaze the pan with butter and it'll release most of the stuck on bits. But, but so if it's stuck a little bit in the nonstick pan, if you used a regular like metal pan, would you expect like too much sticking? Maybe that people should should steer clear of that and use the nonstick when cooking spam or you don't think it matters? I don't think it matters. Okay. I think like if you're cooking like on medium high heat with a little bit of olive oil, um, it, it'll you just have to let it cook uh, well, like on each side. Um, that way it'll crisp up. Um, if you try to stir it too much, mm-hmm. then like because the spam is a little soft, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like if you don't let it cook long enough, you try to stir it, um, it will stick. So you just got to like give it, you just don't over stir maybe oh. every like minute or two. That way it gets a, a good chance to crisp up. And so then maybe I would think um, you would want to go w- with a like spatula lifter, like egg lifter kind of thing and get right under it to flip it and preserve that crispiness. Is that what you would say when you're flipping Yeah, for it? sure. Um, I actually like using like a um, wooden spoon. Oh. Or it's like a, it's like a wooden 
uh, it's like got a like a flat edge on it. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and and I just like really go at it to to try to release it really uh-huh. well, but uh-huh. um, a spatula would work really well too. Okay, great. Okay, so next step, you're adding butter to the browned bits of spam left in the pan. Yeah. So like once the spam is cooked, I remove it from the pan, from the skillet, and then uh, I'll add the butter to the pan. How much um, butter? So it's about a quarter cup of, of unsalted butter. You can use salted butter too. I would just uh, omit the teaspoon of butter that you added to the vegetables just so the dish is not overly salt. I don't really like to oversalt my dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so you put your butter in the pan, you turn it down, uh, the heat to low. That way the butter doesn't brown too fast. Um, and once you, the butter has melted, uh, you add a quarter cup of flour and you whisk that all together. And basically you're creating a roux mm-hmm. and that will be the base of your cream sauce. So while you're, while the butter is melting and while you're whisking the flour and you're also kind of scraping the bottom of the pan to get any of those brown spam right. bits up into yeah. that as well. Okay. So you've mm-hmm. got your roux, butter and flour. Do you cook the roux for a little while or do you proceed pretty soon? Um, after? I just kind of let it, you know, heat up and simmer a little bit. I don't want to let it cook too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really worried about cooking the flour to make like a proper roux. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, there's going to be so much more flavor like in the pan from the spam and everything else. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. Mm-hmm. So once the, the roux mixture starts to heat up and simmer a little bit, I'll slowly add my milk uh, while whisking nonstop because you really don't want to, you don't want your root to clump up or create any chunks. Um, So you'll slowly add your milk. And this is where you can really customize it uh, for your dietary needs. I mean, in our house, we have two types of milk. We have an almond milk, <laughs> which is unsweetened. Mm-hmm. And that's what I use as like my my milk in the recipes. Mm-hmm. And we've got like a vanilla flavored cashew almond milk plant that we use for lattes. So I mean, like I've actually used almond milk in this recipe mm-hmm. and it works really well, but you're more than welcome to use regular milk or even half and half mm-hmm. to make it even more creamier. So it's two cups of milk mm-hmm. that I slowly add into the roux and whisk it in until uh, it becomes nice and smooth and you bring it to a simmer and when it simmers I'm going to add four ounces of uh, cream cheese you don't need to bring it to room temperature because it's going right into the simmering sauce Mm -hmm. which is basically like a bechamel at this point and you're going to whisk in that half a brick of cream cheese right in there uh, until it melts and becomes part of the sauce Mm-hmm. Should only really take a few minutes. And then at this point, you can turn the heat right off of the pan. And you're basically just going to incorporate everything that you've pre-cooked in the previous steps. So you're going to add your cooked pasta, your spam, the mushrooms, all the vegetables. And then you're going to add a cup of frozen green peas, 
which, mm. you know, we always have that bag of frozen vegetables <laughs> in, in, in the freezer and it makes it super convenient and adds like those little bits of sweetness in there. Yeah. So And, and, and then, okay, anything else? Peas yeah, well, I mean, at this point, you can serve it as is uh-huh. because it's basically ready to go on a weeknight when you're in a rush and no need to, you know, <laughs> go to the next step because you can you can serve it as is. But in the recipe, I've actually added um, another step to put it in a casserole dish. Uh, so you can place it in like a two quart casserole dish. Mm-hmm. Mine's oval, but I mean, you can use a square one, whatever. And um, top it with a mixture of like a quarter cup uh, panko crumbs, a quarter cup of uh, grated Parmesan cheese, and a few tablespoons of freshly chopped parsley. And then you, t- you just um, sprinkle it evenly on the top and place it in a 400 uh, Fahrenheit degree oven for f- 15 minutes about Mm -hmm. just to crisp up the top Mm -hmm. and then it's ready to serve. But uh, I mean, this is a great dish to make in advance. Like if you're having people over, you can even have this dish ready to go, uh, place it in the casserole dish. And before putting the the topping on it, you can really just reserve it in the fridge Mm -hmm. and have it ready to go in the oven. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's really great for that, too. Yeah, I know. That sounds good. I, I have a question about the process. Now, obvi- I think this is obvious, but, like, if you wanted to speed this up, you could use multiple pans. And while the pasta is cooking, you could have your vegetables going in one pan and your spam in the other and then make the sauce. You could speed it up if you wanted to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can you can you can do each step in a different pan and it would come together. I mean, even quicker, but just for for my sake to not like dirty a million pans, as I'm often accused (laughs) of doing, (laughs) I I, I really just uh, cook one thing at a time and and then use the same pan for for the sauce and then just add it all back into the sauce. Well, I love this. I think it's delightful that you brought a spam recipe for me to learn about. (laughs) And I've been, you know, not all the recipes, but as we've been having the guests on to talk through the recipes, I've been making some of them and I am going to make this. I am so excited. It's super delicious. I mean, like we were two of us at home and uh, we uh, shamelessly ate the whole thing through <laughs> through the afternoon. We were just eating at it. It's pretty delicious and so addicting. So I love <laughs> but it. it normally serves like you can serve probably like four to maybe six people, depending on the <laughs> serving time. <laughs> but uh, we ate it all. So it's that good. So is this sure. is this recipe going to be on your website? or is it already on your website yeah it's it's up and ready to go and uh probably gonna load up like a quick little tutorial video for it but it's up on our website fantastic so let people know where they can find you your website social media where's the best place alex uh frenchkisscook.com on the website and uh social media where we are on facebook at french kiss cook and we're also on instagram at frenchkiss.cook Very nice. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. (music) 
So I have to tell you something. After Alex and I had that conversation, like literally in the next day, I was watching TV, some streaming service, one of the ones that shows commercials, you know, and there was a commercial for spam. And I'm like, what is going on here? And they made it look like really, really good. And I am convinced I need to try this now. I was not convinced at the beginning, but I am there. And well, as I'm recording this, I am actually pre-going to Italy and I'm about to leave. And this is airing after I get back, but just after like a day of being back. So I'm not doing it like immediately, but when I get back, I am going to totally try making something with spam. I really need to know this crispiness and I love pork. So we're going to do this. I'm going to find out. And I am really curious if it's becoming a trendier thing. If Alex is talking about it, if it's showing up in kind of trendy seeming commercials, we're going to start seeing it in fancy restaurants. You know what I mean? I swear. Okay, so make sure you find Alex on social media, Instagram. He is frenchkiss.cook there and you will love seeing what he is making. Some of it involving spam, some of it not. As to what is going on in my kitchen this week, I actually do already know what I'm going to be working on when I get back from Italy, so I can tell you that my wonderful kitchen helper Jennifer is coming over that week, and we are retesting a very basic slow cooker queso made with Velveeta. It's a recipe that's been on my site for a long time, and I haven't made it in a long time, so I'm just kind of doing that retesting. I might make a video of that. I'm also planning to do a video of my DIY micro microwave popcorn. This is where you use a paper bag to microwave popcorn instead of buying popcorn. And I really think I want to show in that video how delicious it is to dip popcorn in a sunny side up egg. It is like one of my favorite weird things that I love. You know, you can totally picture it because toast that we dip in egg is like soft, but toasty and a little buttery. And it's so nice. And that yolk popcorn, also a little crunchy, little soft, buttery. You see where I'm going? really tasty. So I think I'm going to do that. And I also need to retest one of those summer squash recipes that I was telling you about. The soup, it was really good last time I made it, but I think it can be better. So I'm retesting that as well. We're definitely doing those things. And I will probably have some more ideas while in Italy. I am super excited. I get to see my parents and we're going to eat so much good food. I know it. So that kind of thing will be going on in my kitchen this week. As to what is happening on the websites, for sure there is a turkey tenderloins recipe going live this week. You can buy these at the grocery store. They say turkey tenderloins. I saw them. I needed to find out what they were and I needed to find out how to cook them. And I think I've perfected it. I actually am now pretty obsessed with these. I think we've had them for dinner since I first discovered them and started working with them probably four times for dinner. And then I've tested them a couple times on top of that. They're really, really good and perfect for this time of year. You want to get in that Thanksgiving spirit, have some little turkey dinner, and know that you can make this all year because it really is that kind of simple thing. You're not roasting a whole big turkey, you know? And that brings me to what is happening on Recipe of the Day this week. I will be in your podcast feed every single day as always. And one of those recipes is the turkey tenderloins recipe for sure. I'm also doing a one-pot shrimp pasta. 
I told you about that one pot pasta formula recently. This essentially uses that. So it's like an idea where you could use that formula, but it's been written up as a recipe on the website. So you really know how to do it. So we're going to be doing that. And what else do I have? I have, oh, some really yummy pepperoni seasoning, which, you know, you can use to season homemade pepperoni, but you can also use to make anything you're cooking taste like pepperoni a little bit. It's so tasty. So those are some of the things that will be coming your way this week on this podcast. If you are not already subscribed, make sure that you do it because then you'll get all of these recipes, a new one every day, two on Saturdays. To subscribe, the easiest thing to do is to get out your phone, go to whatever app you most like to listen to podcasts on and search for recipe of the day and then click on subscribe or follow, and then you'll get this in your feed every day. Or you can go to cookthestory.com slash ROTD. Doing it on your phone makes the most sense. And you will see the buttons for some of the main podcast apps there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Click on the one that you like, and it takes you to recipe of the day in that app. So then you can subscribe from there. It's super easy. If you are using the Apple Podcast app or Spotify, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a comment and rating for this podcast podcast. I love reading those and it just helps other people find the podcast, which is really helpful to me in terms of growing my business. So that is our show for today. Thank you, Alex from FrenchKissCook.com for being such an amazing guest and an amazing family member. Thank you to you for listening. I'm Christine Pittman from CookTheStory.com, TheCookful.com, the all new chicken cookbook and from this podcast recipe of the day. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Let's get cooking.